0: Welcome back to another episode of Smoke Signals. You could not get rid of us that easy. Had a bit of a hiatus with, uh, you know, pretty much a lack of news. Outside of the obvious, you know, I don't think we needed a podcast to talk about Shane Bieber winning the Cy Young unless, uh, for some unknown reason, someone left him off their ballot or didn't vote for him in first place. He was unanimous. Uh, I'm Justin Latta, and I'm joined as most of the time as I usually am with Willie Hood, and today we have... Joe Koblitz, Do once upon a time and I had a podcast together, and uh, he's managed to track me down once again, and, and we're going to revive things. But Willie, Joe, whoever wants to go first, how are you guys doing?
1: Doing good. I'm glad to be back with you, Justin. I look forward to knocking this podcast out with you guys tonight. <laughs> I like the attitude.
0: Get it over with. <laughs> Let's, get <guys. laughs> Let's get it over with so we can all... And- Enjoy Thanksgiving, yeah. whoever you're enjoying it with. All right. Well, for those of you in the podcast who haven't heard Joe before, Joe is this is actually Joe. This is your first time on SpokeSignal, so it's probably long overdue. I suppose. I, so I
2: guess I, I've done. I've probably recorded 200 podcasts of various types, but they've all died, and uh, we buried <laughs> them all in the backyard.
0: All right. Well, if this podcast goes to the graveyard, you know who to who to blame, who's in connection, who the who the common denominator is here, because we've carried this thing on through a weird year, and we're heading into the off season, so we're not going to point any fingers anyway. So the news is, uh, Demarco Hale was hired as the Indians' bench coach to replace ben, Brad Mills, uh, who has decided to semi-retire due to family reasons. Um, He'll be in a front office role with the Indians. Yet to be determined. I'm sure you'll see him around the ballpark at some point in 2021, 20, putting on things shake out because of him and Terry Francona's relationship. That moves Sandy Alomar back to first base. Uh, I did see some people who thought that he was going to get the bench coach role, which I'm not really sure why Why it was an assumption. Maybe one of you guys can fill me in why people thought that Alomar was just going to be at the bench coach. Um, I assumed he was going to go back to first base and then hired somebody else and they did. And I mean, the rest is stayed intact. So, I, I what am I missing?
2: Everyone's obsession with him being even a manager is so insane to me. Like he's had so many opportunities with other franchises uh, where they brought him in to interview, and he's never gotten the job. I don't even think he's ever been that close to getting a management job. So the obsession of like naming him the heir apparent to Francona and things like that—it just—it's completely unrealistic at this point. I don't, I don't get it.
1: I think that's the assumption that people were working from, too, with his experience last year and assuming the role that people thought that he would automatically get that bench position. And the fact of the matter is it just doesn't work that way. Um, Yeah, I kind of understand what they're saying, what they're thinking there with what he did last year stepping into that role. But, I mean, I, I don't see him as that. I thought at one time maybe but that was years ago. I think that ship has sailed with him.
2: Yeah, I think within like three years after he retired, as a player, he would have had to been in a con- more serious consideration. He's been passed over. It's done.
0: Yeah, he, he did bring up that he felt like his interviews in the past were kind of the token minority interviews, which nobody really says out loud, but you kind of know if they are or not. So it was kind of jarring to kind of hear him say it out loud, and I can't say I blame him. Um, but and I know a lot of people... Like one
2: of those my my timeline may be messed up, but I feel like he interviewed with the White Sox either at the same time as Ozzie Gheean or right after Ozzie Gheen, so
0: it's not like It was around <laughs> there. Yeah, I can't remember. And he, he interviewed he interviewed for the Blue Jays job um the same year DeMarlo Hale interviewed for it, and they both didn't get it and now they're both in the same stack together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And which is odd and, and DeMarlo Hale actually replaced Brad Mills in Boston with Terry Francona. I think Mills left for Houston. And then DeMarlo Halo, Hale took over his spot. So now they're all three intertwined. I don't know. I mean, I know Alomar didn't do a great job last year. Um, obviously, I think that's pretty apparent to everybody. But he was thrown into a difficult situation. And well, he did kind of learn on the job in a very difficult situation. So I, I don't think last year should rule him not ever being a manager or a bench coach or whatever, but um, he's obviously going to have to show that he learned from his mistakes last year to, and get better. I don't think he's mm-hmm. concluded from it, but I never assumed he was going to get the bench coach job. I, I kind of figured they would hire whoever and and he'd go back to first base because for better or for worse, the Indians are, with Terry Francona, they are all about uh, stability and not rocking the boat. So That's exactly why I thought they wouldn't do anything different than than what they actually did. Yeah, I'm... I'm they don't uh, like change.
2: I'm more surprised that Francona didn't retire. I mean, he's got nothing left to prove. He's he's won the World Series. He's done everything I feel like that he needed to do to have, like, a Hall of Fame career and, uh, with the health issues. I, I'm kind of surprised he came back at all. I wonder
1: if he just wants to prove to himself that he can manage another year, and that's probably what we're seeing is his last year coming up. That's pure speculation, obviously, but, you know, it's it just, it was my thought that he would retire after all of this mess of this season as well.
0: Yeah. His contract runs through next year, I think. Is it 2022?
2: That doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. He probably doesn't want to go out on a, on a health note. But he doesn't want to force his, his health to force him to retire, so I could see why he came back and okay, yeah. go on terms but this is this all doesn't matter i mean i think at the end of the day i think this is how most people thought things are going to play out he was gonna i mean i know you said you were surprised they didn't retire but i don't know why not why not come back for one more year and, and try not to let your health force you out um the real reason to do a podcast at this point with, with very minimal off-season news and, and like i said before we're not going to turn the off-season podcast into a Uh, a Lindor trade rumor podcast because I'm already sick of it and uh, it hasn't even happened yet. We did one of those and we'll get back to that whenever things start happening. But um, the only news I think any of us care about, at least me personally, was the 40 man roster additions because it was an interesting situation this year. So by now, if you're listening to this podcast, it means you follow any one of us on Twitter, I'm assuming. Um, So, you know, that Nolan Jones, Gabriel Arias, Eli Morgan, Carlos Vargas, and Ernie Clement were all added to the 40-man roster. Uh, I don't really think we need to dive into Noan Jones being added. That was ob- that was obviously always going to happen, um, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on his role in, in 2021. Now that he's on the 40-man roster, he is, you know, right on the cusp. Even though he didn't really play this year, outside of practicing in Lake County. Um, You know, what are your thoughts on his role in 2021? And Joe, I'll I'll ask you first because you're the most recent person to see him play and you saw him play a position that wasn't third base for the first time.
2: Yeah, and and you know what stinks? And it reminds me back when Carlos Santana tried to play third base uh, for a minute and they let him play there for like three innings a game in spring training and he never had any balls hit to him. Uh, Nolan Jones playing the outfield was very similar. He had very few fly balls hit to him he had a few ground balls that he fielded fine it's kind of whatever but I would have loved to have seen him really go after some and I didn't get that opportunity Uh, he did play really well at first base and I think that that's it with his bat the amount of power he has he absolutely could play first base uh, offensively and so I, I think I'd like to see him slip into that role I think that makes a lot more sense than trying to force him into third and move Ramirez which they've I think, Sid, so. they are not going to do. And uh, obviously, Ramirez doesn't want to move. And it makes more sense than trying to put him in the outfield, although it would help the offense in the outfield.
0: <laughs> yeah. Willie, really, what are your thoughts on him as, as a potential outfielder? Because it's not like the Indians don't already have 20 outfielders they need to sort through, which they kicked the can down the road successfully in 2020 by not actually coming to do a decision. So we're kind of going to, 2021 is going to be a repeat of 2020, but you're going to potentially add Nolan Jones into that
1: mix. You know, he has an arm for right field, but I think he has the foot speed for left field. Uh, ultimately, I think he would probably end up at right field or first base. Um, you know, really, I think first base is probably the better position for him long term. And, you know, there's been the, the question of the bat and do you want to put that kind of bat at first base but I think he'll be fine I think there's 25 30 home run power at least there with a the number of walks you're you're going to look at a player similar that could become a, a Carlos Santana type of player maybe a lighter version of that but um, you know I, I think Jones will get enough time in Columbus that the Indians will have another year of control and then we'll probably see him in Early midsummer, mm-hmm. I, I you know, just, I don't
2: know I want to throw out a, a comp and see if it's not if it's too rude, but like an Adam Dunn on defense.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but the arm, the arms, I, I I have no recollection of how Adam Dunn's arm was. It was good. I don't think far off offensively. Was it good? Yeah. And Adam Dunn was like Adam Dunn was like a, a big, obviously he was a huge dude, but like he wasn't. A terrible athlete. No, early on in his career, he was only a plundering guy. Uh, as he, I think, got into his yeah, late thirties.
2: I'm, I'm talking about a big, okay. dude, a big dude who doesn't run real fast, but you know can get around Something
0: and, somewhat. Athletic. Yeah, yeah, I so I, like,
2: I agree with oh, left field with Willie.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I just think the arm is wasted at first base. Like why, he has such a good arm. You put, it, I mean, no Carl Santana's arm has been an asset at first base, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be asking him to make, like I think I think Santana had a great arm, but I think he also was comfortable with making throws from unique angles because of his experience catching. I don't know how that translates as a as an out, a guy who played third base. Yeah, first, but... I,
2: Jones' arm is not accurate though, and I think that's kind of like it reminds me of way back in the day, uh, Casey Blake and then Lonnie Chisenhall, where they took them both. Both had strong but not accurate arms. They threw him in right field and it worked out really well. I I think it may be kind of like that if they put him in the outfield. If they put him at first, I wouldn't want him throwing to second like Santana does.
0: That's probably a good point. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. Maybe outfield is definitely where he ends up and he gets there in 2021. I don't see any upside in moving Ramirez off their base at this point. Between his body type and the attrition rate of second baseman um and if you trade Francisco Lindor you cannot afford to lose like any percentage of a point of offensive production from Mm -hmm. from Jose Ramirez at that point so don't don't take any risks um Gabriel Arias was was an obvious fit for the 40-man roster they weren't going to let him get away after just trading him um but now I'm kind of curious to see where he fits in with the rest of the shortstops. And uh, I didn't, Joe, you wrote him up when we we did the reports. But Willie, where, where do you see him fitting in timeline-wise? Like I think we all think maybe Tyler Freeman is going to be the first to to break the big leagues, but um, Arias is probably going to stay at shortstop long term. I would think. So now I'm kind of curious to see where he fits in with this entire group. Where do you think the timeline for him is and and how he ends up... um, He's probably a year behind
1: Freeman. He's probably a year behind Freeman as far as timeline goes. At at least, you know, I think his bat needs more work. Um, But, you know, it's been said that he's done a lot of work with the virtual reality to um, work on his off-speed recognition. And hopefully he has picked that up. Um, If he hasn't, you know, I I don't know if he's going to have it... A good enough bat to stand into the lineup, but he's definitely uh, a Gold Glove caliber defender and has a strong arm. Shortstop would work, third base would work if it comes down to that. Really, going to dictate or what's really going to dictate it for him is his ability to uh, make those adjustments, as I mentioned.
0: Joe, you wrote him up when he got traded here, um, and you were obviously the first team on the field as a Cleveland Indian. Yeah, did did everything kind of back up what you thought and what Willie just said when you saw him in Arizona? Again,
2: unfortunately he didn't play as much as I would like. And he played second base uh, mostly when I saw him. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, they moved everyone around everywhere. It wasn't, it, it was very inconsistent. And I, with these unofficial leagues that happens a lot, I remember uh, thinking about Tyler Freeman, who also moved around a bit uh, over the years, he's flipped a lot with Jose for me, And, you know, they'll, like, first inning, he'll play short, and for me, it'll be a second, and then the next inning, they'll flip. So, they did that type of stuff during this instructs as well, uh, moving guys from, you know, second to third short pretty freely. Uh, I, I think Freeman's ahead of him in every aspect. Uh, I, I would like to see Freeman up in the big leagues next year. And then maybe the year after that, we can worry about, you know, as far as who gets to be the permanent shortstop.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think Freeman's going to make it first, and Freeman's ahead offensively because of the lack of – or the better hit tool and doesn't have the strikeout problems, and maybe Arias is a better shortstop long-term. But, yeah, I mean, none of us know if he's going to actually put the bat on the ball. Uh, I was telling this to somebody else the other day and um, about Will Benson. Somebody – I saw a report on the guy the Cavs picked in the draft, and they said, well, the, the guy could be an all-star if, if he can – develop a jump shot and I'm thinking well I know there's a lot of ways that you know basketball players can be valuable to a team without being a great offensive player but you say that about anybody like oh if he could shoot the basketball he'd be an all-star <laughs> like that's that's the, whole point. that's the whole point of basketball and I, <laughs> I I about Will Benson like yeah if Will Benson could put the bat on the ball he could be an all-star and that's probably the same for, for Gabriel Arias like yeah it makes sense but that's kind of the whole point of this I don't know. It just, it, the, the analogy just kind of made me laugh, but I think it applies to, to areas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Eli Morgan is on the roster now as well, and I don't think anybody didn't expect he wouldn't get added. I think some people probably get lost in with all the pitching depth, and, and they look at Morgan and they think, well, this guy doesn't throw 95, which, you know, Aaron Stefali and Shane Bieber and... Zach Fleisak really don't touch 95 like consistently if at all. And and I know Morgan throws like you know 92 top sometimes, but the more curious thing to me was there are so many options for for starters, like from Bieber down to McKenzie to Quantrill now to Henches to um Jeffrey Rodriguez is still an option, I guess. Scott Moss. Plutko's still on the roster for now. Like I do think Eli Morgan would get taken, but what this signals to me is not only do they not want to lose him in the roll five draft, but I think this gives them some cover to trade a pitcher that's in front of him. Cause otherwise you're just dashing pitchers who, you know, have six or seven guys in front of them and like three guys have to get hurt or moved in order for him to have a chance. So do you agree with that, Willie, that not only adding him keeps them, obviously he would get drafted, but it's going to give them some cover. And I, I didn't even mention Logan Allen too. It's going to give them some cover to move a, a pitcher this winter. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's part of what it's about. They've really focused on these guys who have above average to plus control. And, and you don't see that that often, but Morgan falls into that category. Nothing sexy from him, but that change up is out of this world. One of the best uh, secondary offerings in the system. Um, you know, with Morgan, as you said, being a depth starter for them right away and just now getting into his option years, you know, he'll have the three options. Um, there's 14 starting pitchers on the 40-man roster. That's immense depth. You're talking, you know, the the Cleveland, Columbus, and Akron are covered with starting pitching depth at this point. Uh, you have a guy like Yefry Rodriguez, who may end up in the pen, Adam Pluko, um, who's had his struggles, and... Could be a swing man, could work as a fifth starter. Um, you know, I, I think it does cover them to move a, a young pitcher or even, God forbid, Cookie. You know, I don't want to see Cookie go, but there's been rumors from Hoynes and um, Terry Pluto both saying that there's a good possibility Cookie's going to end up getting traded. And I think that they've added depth. And what the Indians have done throughout the years is give themselves options, and, and that does. This does that by adding Eli Morgan to the 40-man roster.
0: If they trade Carrasco, I promise you, we'll have a swear words podcast. That will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will be the first to, to turn on my microphone and, and, and say awful words if Carlos Carrasco uh, gets traded. Joe, do you have any, any strong thoughts on, on Eli Morgan and his role in the organization right now before we move on to... Uh, Carl's I, just
2: want to say, I, I understand the protect because it, you remember a few years ago, the Indians were always drafting guys at a high school who were like selected by Vanderbilt, like they were committed to go to Vanderbilt. Yeah. I, I feel like now the Indians at this point with their pipeline of drafting these college guys who throw strikes, everyone is seeing that. And if you don't protect every single one of them, then they will get taken in the rule five draft and you just lost them for nothing. And so hopefully, my hope would be you can use this as a situation, maybe not to trade someone at the top, but to release a couple guys that are on the bottom. Uh, I mean, Plutko is like the worst home run pitcher in the history of baseball. Literally, you can look up the stats on Fangraphs. He's allowed more home runs per nine than any pitcher ever in the history of the game. Like, just move on from some of these guys. We don't need to keep seeing them over and over again. With with this extra depth, it, it seems irrelevant.
0: I can appreciate your need to move on from Adam Plucktoe more than I ever appreciated your Josh Tomlin takes. I can say that. I definitely don't have any disagreements there. I think we've had some, some battles over the years about, about Josh Tomlin that I won't let go. It's
2: very similar, I mean, it, it, but it's, like it's, it's worse. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a next level. Yeah, and and
0: did, you think three, did you think three years ago that with all the, the war with Josh Tomlin on, on Indians' Twitter – that you would say there's a worse situation with somebody else than it was Adam Conley.
2: Well, I mean, that, I think that's partly the ball changing. I, sure I'm not giving that's him true. all yeah, the I blame. To that.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Um, you both have seen Carlos Vargas pitch a lot more than me. Um, I've seen a couple starts on, on MILB TV, and I'm I, I started looking even more uh, as the as the 40 man roster deadline approach this year, and I was pretty, by the time I finally started actually watching his start, uh, just to, to watch him, I was definitely blown away, but my, my first takeaway from this was, you know, I, some people talked about Danny Salazar being a cop here, and I, I kind of get that, but Salazar had Tommy John, I think he was in Carolina, so he was in high A when the Indians protected him for the first time, and he was uh, had TJ, so he was still far enough away that he had to recover but Carlos Vargas has not been above Mahoning Valley so my takeaway is that if 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 they didn't protect him that they must have assumed by protecting him they must have assumed that somebody might take him and throw him in the bullpen like uh that's the only thing I could think of being so far away and he is good but I mean that would be my only assumption. Well, which, whichever one he wants to go. Well, remember
2: either. they did this two years ago. I think it was with Carlos, John uh, Carlos Mejia. Same mm-hmm. level, or he was an A-ball maybe, and they protected him when it was like no one ever was going to take him. So they, I would assume this is going to be me appealing to authority, and assume that they know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> you never assume that. So if you're guessing well, you that, I, must I do have.
2: I, I got the dirt on. <laughs> on Vargas that I don't want to tweet out because then people bring it back to me, but I figure no one listens to this. So it's safe.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: wow. <Yeah>. But <laughs> But,
0: uh, I have people to listen to us talk. Oh, okay.
2: Well, I, I don't like it in, in print, but I do know for a fact that he had some severe injury issues in 2019 with his hand. He had a blister that was got like infected. It was really gross. I saw pictures of it, uh, and he felt like if he didn't pitch through it, that he was going to fall behind. But the schedule was for him to move up midseason, so he ended up falling behind anyway because of it. So I felt like, and to me, like, that's when you say Danny Salazar, you kind of have to throw that away because Danny Salazar mentally was not willing to do that. He would not have pitched through an injury. He that's never in his life pitched through an injury. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I do think maybe that was some of it of why he wasn't in Lake County yet, was that injury, and why his numbers weren't great last year, and that maybe a team is looking that's, like he could have jumped.
0: That's a that's a really interesting point. of uh, that That changes a lot. I know I you had mentioned that to me before, but I didn't realize maybe how bad it was. But
2: his numbers were still good. It w- it wasn't like he was terrible there. But I think that's what kept him from moving up. Just, I mean, the, yeah, that makes the sense. plan was to move up Mejia as well last year, and uh, he had that hernia issue.
0: Oh yeah, in twenty nineteen, he, he's had a couple of core injuries now. That's, I think he's had a couple. Yeah.
2: If I say last year, it, it means twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just not going to count <laughs> this year. This year is instructs. Last yeah, year is contact. real games.
0: Willie, how does how does your opinion change on Carlos Vargas then cuz I mean you've seen him maybe about as much as Joe and I know you've been a big fan of Carlos Vargas so what do you what do you yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if you knew about the, the blister issue so how does that change your opinion on him?
1: I heard about it but honestly I forgot until Joe I saw Joe mention it or say something about it here recently. Um, but maybe that explains him getting up on top of the changeup like I said and he looked like he was a, a, was a shot putter or whatever when he was throwing his changeup when I saw him. But I, I just curious if that affected his grip and then you know maybe that's why he was pushing the ball the way he was. But his fastball every time I saw him, he was 95 and above. I never seen him sit or, or even hit with his fastball below 95. Obviously, I was impressed with that, but the slider, which I think would get people out in the big leagues right now, I think that's part of the reason that the Indians protected him, because he walks in with two-plus pitches, the fastball and the slider. You know, the, you know, his control is another story. You know, I, I think there's there's um, fringe average control right now. I think the upside is average control for him. I, I think control is always going to be an issue if he's a starter, but I think that's hidden. Um, if he ends up in the bullpen and that could end up being his role long term but he's what 21 going to be 22 next year I don't want to assign him as just a a bullpen arm at this point I think he's middle of rotation upside but uh, you know as you said he's only been to Mahoning Valley he hasn't pitched above that we're essentially counting down now with three option years ahead of him will he make it in time with all the depth that the Indians have added in the other college arms that they've drafted here recently. You know, there, there's other guys who are going to be there waiting their turn. What are the Indians going to do with all these arms? You know, it, it's going to, some of them end up converting to a bullpen role at some point.
0: Yeah. And Joe brought up the same thing with, with Giancarlo Mejia. And he's probably going to run the same thing because I think 2021 is Giancarlo Mejia's last option year. So he's going to run out of chances or ability to move him up and down using the step depth too. Um, I
1: believe he and Henches are both on uh, their last option. Yeah, I think he and Hentges. Now, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I think off of the top of my head that they
0: are. That's going to be interesting. And For, for Henches, I mean, Mejia keeps getting hurt, so I know he's missed a lot of time. With Henches, I'm just kind of at the point where with him, I know he had a, he supposedly looked good in Lake County, but um, <laughs> the crude reference i don't have any better reference to at least my opinion here is it's time for for to to crap or get off the pot at this point like i want to see if he can do it or if he whatever he is at this point because they're so loaded with depth maybe maybe he's a bullpen arm or maybe he's uh trade bait or i I don't know what he is at this point but i i really has
1: he has one one option remaining just checked it on the site
0: so it'll be 20.1 for, for Vargas, though, I really I know they won't do it. Maybe one of you guys thinks that they will. Um, but this is not how they've operated outside of the Cody Allens, the Kyle Crockett, and I guess James Karachek. But I really wish they would put him in the bullpen. Because clearly, there's no other reason to take Vargas if you don't think – because nobody's going to try to put him in the rotation this year. Like, nobody – if somebody were to take Vargas in the 2020 Rule, Rule 5 draft, nobody's putting him in the rotation next year. Like, you're you're taking him as a bullpen arm. So if the Indians clearly must have thought that was the case, which is why they protected him. I wish they'd just go that route. Like, I think there's absolutely a, a world where Carlos Vargas is good enough to pitch in the bullpen in the major leagues in 2021. And if that's the case, you don't worry about him taking up an empty 40-man spot all year because he can contribute to the big league club. And you potentially have Karen Jack, Emmanuel Classe... Carlos Vargas and maybe even Anthony goes in that bullpen, and that's extremely wicked. And and again, you're you're not wasting a forty man spot by just holding on to him if you absolutely think that another organization thought he had the tools to make it this year.
2: Yeah, I,
1: I don't, Justin. I don't move. Justin, I don't mean to move away from Carlos Vargas, but I mentioned Jeffrey Rodriguez a minute ago. He's also out of options. Yeah, yeah obviously, and Pletko is too. And then, you know, all of these guys aren't going to fit into the pen or into the organizational depth, as we've said. You know, somebody's going to end up having to get cut, as Joe said. Somebody's not going to be here. It's going to be one of those two You guys with no yeah. options. Um, I don't think that they'll put Vargas in the pen right away, but I think he is better than at
2: least three or four of the arms that that, that will be in there. Yeah, depth. I have no issue with Vargas in the pen, but I think you're talking at least 2022. And I don't think it's a waste of a 40-man spot. You had to protect him. Yes, other teams would have put him in the bullpen in 2021, but that was because they would have had to if they had taken him. right? So the Indians have the luxury of time, and they can kind of wait and make sure he can pitch in Akron at least before uh, throwing him right in the big leagues. Plus, by that point in time, some of these younger relievers who maybe have – some of them have one season, some of them have two seasons – you know, under their belt, they can get a little more uh, established before you're bringing in more rookies.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I guess oh. there is. And Willie just mentioned there's so many guys that can go in the bullpen. I don't know. This this off season to me is going to be going into 2021. We thought the outfield was bad. I mean, the outfield's bad because it's bad. It's a problem. But, I mean, I know it's an embarrassment of riches at shorts or at, uh, at pitching, but they've got to. Kind of figure out the game of musical chairs with their arms, like you just mentioned. All those guys out of options, and uh, guys who will be out of options after next season. Um, I don't think we have any any strong thoughts. I mean, Ernie Clement to me, I'm, I I wasn't sure he was going to get protected. I kind of thought late before the deadline that I added him to our list, but I didn't think like it was of dire consequence. But uh, I'm not surprised. Protecting him, and I suppose that puts him in line to take Mike Freeman's at bats next year. I don't know. Do you guys have any any strong feelings on Ernie Clement? I know Joe, you have strong feelings on Ernie Clement getting that last spot over other. Oh, not people.
2: necessarily. I don't. I don't mind Clement, and uh, I did see him playing center field uh, in October, and I think right field too. So they're they're working on super utility status for him. And I, I mean, I, I think I like Yu Chang better still as far as just a utility guy, but I like him as much as Freeman
0: at least. Joey or um, Willie, did you have any thoughts on, on Ernie Quillman?
1: Yeah, Ernie's going to put up professional at bats. I mean, I, I think that's what he brings in. Obviously, some um, positional versatility. He hasn't really played outfield, per se, for the Indians yet officially, uh, but he, he had experience in center field and left field in college. Uh, played second, third, and shortstop for the Indians. Um, so there's already some positional uh, versatility there, and obviously they've been working on that with him appearing in instructs and in multiple positions. Um, you know, no power to speak of, and. I think he's questionable on the bases, as far as stealing basics sometimes, that he runs himself into outs or gets thrown out. But, um, you know, I, I think he does have some value in work. I do like Chang's upside more so because of the power that he offers. Um, I would like to see him get a role or, or fight for a role and earn it uh, this spring. And I uh, would not be surprised if Clementine's back up in Columbus.
0: I think the good thing is that if he, if Clement is the utility infielder, um, I think people will be less apt to be mad at him about taking up a spot on the roster than Michael Martinez well, I mean, and. and that, that's Mike been Fre- my
2: that's been my <laughs> argument for 15, 20 years uh, no twenty five years at this point is that I I've always <laughs> said that the utility man should be someone under twenty five years old like there's never to me there's never a reason to have a utility infielder that's a veteran because you should always be looking to who's going to be your next starter rather than this guy used to be good. And maybe he can fill in for a couple innings. And it just, I've never heard an argument for that that made sense to me.
0: No, I think you're right. I think that's why nobody ever got mad that Eric Gonzalez uh, filled that role because he was at least young and, could do some interesting things. And even though he's not really a starter, I think he proved Pittsburgh is not yeah, a starter. But it's a good in test. That role, it's a better
2: time. test than playing in AAA against guys who are never going to make it.
0: Or playing with Michael Martinez or Mike Freeman. I mean, I didn't have any issues with Mike Freeman, but I certainly think that already Clement brings more Well, and, the table and Freeman's Mike Freeman.
2: best asset to me was his patience at the plate. And Clement also is not going to strike out. So. I think he's got that. You you want someone who's not going to hurt you. You want someone who's not going to commit errors, not going to strike out, and that's Clement.
0: That's fair. Um, So we've covered all the names that got added to the 40-man roster. They're full at 40. Um, So here are the names that at least you guys can add to this um, if you feel like I missed somebody. But I think it's pretty well covered. Jose Fermin, uh, who didn't get taken last year, who was exposed to Rule 5. Luis Oviedo, same situation, Kai Tom, same thing. Um, I did throw on Ray Burgos, um, even though I don't think anybody would take him, but um, still a guy I actually really like who was Rule 5 eligible last year, who didn't get protected this year. Um, it wasn't a surprise. I mean, you could have made a case for Fermin, for Tom, and Oviedo. I think I know we will make cases for them. Uh, I don't think there's really a case for Burgos, but I do like him as a prospect, even though he's far away and has been exposed before. And then Will Benson, who I think, for just because he was a first-round pick, I saw a lot of backlash on Twitter about oh, another first-round pick that failed. Like, and then everybody pointed to Anthony Santander, and I'm like, no one's taking Will Benson in the Rule Five draft. If they're taking Will Benson in the Rule Five draft, there, and they have to see that there's like some magical cure for his. I wonder though.
2: He's, I, he's I wonder though, you through. get him a new coach, but. Uh, Are the rosters expanded again next year? I'm thinking they are, right? You get at least 26. Yeah, so I think 20. Yeah, I think it's 26. You could have a pinch runner, and Will Benson could be a pinch runner. Like, he's a really good defensive outfielder, and he's really fast. You could hide him on a roster pretty easily if you thought you could fix a swing. So that would be the danger there.
0: Is his, is is a swing fixable I don't know. at this point? Like, is, I mean, is, eventually, is, could be, but is, is was, it? Was uh, Giovanni
2: Ursula's swing fixable?
0: All right, that's that's I a bad get... comparison. Come on, Giovanni Ursula didn't strike yeah, out I'm as saying much as Will If Benson you put him,
2: does. you put him with a different <laughs> coaching staff. Maybe they could make. Especially if you look at this guy and you go, "Oh, I see where they messed up. I can fix that." That it happens from time to time.
0: Willie, what do you you think? You you think his swing at all the strikeouts is fixable right now?
1: I have serious doubts, to be honest with you. Um, I would be surprised if he's more than a platoon bat in the future. Um, My first thought went to Bradley Zimmer, him going through all of the swing changes and also being a guy that's six foot four, six foot five, you know, a, a taller guy. And with Benson having so many swing changes already, and he's only, what, 21, 22 years old. You know, I, I'm curious how much it will be in his head. I know the athleticism is there. I know he's very intelligent, and works hard. So there are those things that, you know, go in his favor. But I'm curious if he will be able to get out of his own head enough to, to make adjustments if he yeah, doesn't have the right that- hitting coach. And, and who knows? I, I don't even know if it's hitting coach or if it's. Yeah, and that was a devil's advocate argument.
2: Point. I think Tom is more likely to be taken than him. I, I just say that he, he could be hidden as a pinch runner, extra outfielder, easier now with the expanded rosters than in the past.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I, I completely
1: agree with what you're saying, Joe. I just don't think he's ever going to hit 225 or anything. Do like you have that, to? To be honest with you. <laughs> but I could see where you would say. <laughs> Not, not to be on the tried. If you, if you get hit about <laughs> no. one hundred, they'll take you in the outfield.
2: Although, I mean, they they won't even test uh, out uh, Bobby Bradley, so they certainly aren't going to give Benson a shot.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, at least okay, yeah, but at least Benson has other tools. Like, if you could, if you could improve one one part of a player's game in the entire organization, I think it's easily you would know, just give Will Benson the ability to hit two twenty <laughs> because. No better to hit 220 in the major leagues. You're talking about Joey Gallo with like a gold, the gold glove, and the ability to steal 20 bases.
1: Now, Justin, come on, man! Don't talk about Joey Gallo like
0: that. Oh, I know you're still on, on the train that says the Indians are going to get him. I don't know. <laughs> how, how can you trade for Joey Gallo when you have 30 outfield options? You can't even oh wait. decide on to begin with. Unless you're going <laughs> to I've pick, got some like, fun uh,
2: stats on Benson. Uh, unofficially in the games I went to he hit 111 333 222 that's a pretty fun line
0: Oy. so he just kind of carried over the misery that he went through in whatever that random semi oh, literally, you know, so he armor, went 1 for league.
2: 12 with a double with 3 walks one, 1 in 12 plate appearances with 3 walks
0: I mean
1: what I hear you saying Joe is he has power he potential does, I mean, he's so strong
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm willing to pretty much just throw everything about this gear into the trash, <laughs> including all the <laughs> stats. No, no, the obviously, and, uh, like, all of
2: the Instructs' uh, stats are garbage. They're they're almost completely worthless because they, they played the same team like 20 times in a row, and they cheated and used extra runners and had extra outs or less outs. or whatever. They can do whatever <laughs> they want to. The, the rules are fluid. It's like the Matrix.
0: So in, in, Instructs, basically, I've never been to one, so I'm curious to see. But it sounds like Instructs just like adult version of t ball or, or, or is it whose line is it anyway? The rules are – there are no rules. I feel rules like I made that joke in the yet.
2: intro this year. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's something <laughs> like that because, I mean, if the pitcher – and it's funny because the, the different teams have different strategies with it. And a lot of times the Indians would go, no, we want our pitcher to face four hitters or five hitters or put an extra guy on base – because we want it to be harder for him, whereas the Reds would kind of go, "He's already thrown 20 pitches. Let's let's move on."
0: <laughs> what an environment. Okay, I I don't have. I mean, I used to have strong thoughts on Kai Tom, and I, I still do. I think he's a, a nice fourth outfielder type. So, what what do you want to say about when Kai you Tom?
2: post about him on Twitter? A lot of people like it. I think I, he's I've pretty, seen the reactions. Yes. He's pretty popular. I, I mean, he's a friendly guy. He's he's always smiling. He's nice. Uh, he's fast. He's short. So I, l- I always like short players. Uh, uh, yeah, it's more relatable for more me. Relatable. And he's much faster. Like, you look at him and you're like, oh, he's probably slow because he's short, but he's not. He's much faster than he looks. He, he's also like the number one supplier of highlight reel catches in the outfield over the last two years in the upper Indians minors so he has a lot of skills there I just don't know if people are that excited about bench outfielders because it's not a starter
0: oh, in Cleveland yeah, we obviously. are because in Cleveland we're obsessed with that. back why would we be obsessed with
2: That's back outfielders?
0: outfielders the same especially with this outfield alright so, so final call here do any uh, if I miss any guys feel free to throw them in but I don't think at the end of the day, I don't see Fermin, Oviedo, uh, and Will Benson. I'm not going to mention Burgos because I think that's a, a gone point. Um, I don't see Benson, Oviedo, and Fermin getting taken in the Rule 5 draft. I do think that maybe this time around, Kai Tom gets taken. Um, agree or disagree, Willie? With any of those?
1: I can agree that Kai, Kai Tom may get taken this year. As you said, he's a perfect fourth or fifth outfielder. Um Jose Fermin is the guy who stands out to me. I think his ability to play a few positions in the infield, his speed, his glove, um, his ability to put up professional at-bats, to take walks may get him taken because I think it would be easy to hide him. Um, I'm just not sure with him only being 21, you know, he's he's got a frame that needs to fill out and get stronger, but I think there's some more pop there. Uh, if there was one player I think think that would get taken it would be for me I'll drop another name um Kirk McCarty is a lefty he's 24 25 years old somebody may take a gamble on um you know he hasn't pitched above high a but uh, you're not getting a whole lot there but teams are always willing to look for a lefty so if somebody did something like that or even going after Burgos because they think uh you know he's got a mid-90s fastball when he's on and has a nice slider too um you know he would not surprise, but really, I mean, there's a chance Oviedo goes if you're if somebody's looking to hide or stash a potential starter. But we haven't seen him in two years, so who knows at this point with him? Um, I would really say it's down to one player for me, and that's Jose for me, who is the biggest risk of being taken.
2: Yeah, I think I think that extended Jones, layoff really throws a monkey wrench or whatever you want to say into the works. Because uh, like I, I in the past I have been able to. Pick a couple guys who I thought would get picked for the Rule 5 draft. Like, like Santander made a lot of sense because he was hurt. You know, it's like you can hide him for a while. And so like Burgos was hurt in 2019, but he's been better for a long time. <laughs> like, he just hasn't been able to pitch. So that's it's hard to say on that. Uh, the one name I want to throw out to get yelled at for, because uh, last time I threw his name out, someone yelled at me on Twitter, is Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez is a monster guy. He's like a Will Benson that can hit 220. Uh, I think, like, he doesn't have the, the name recognition, but he did actually make it to Akron, you know, and he he's hit a lot of home runs. I've Of the home runs I've seen in Arizona, his were among the most prodigious, but the other guys I could say that about have all been cut. Like, so they it's not like the Indians are obsessed with like, as long as the ball goes over the fence, it doesn't matter if it goes 500 feet, you know. So I don't know that they're obsessed with that amount of power if he can't make more contact. He's a terrible outfielder. He's a terrible base runner. I, I thought when they expanded the DH that he was an option for a team as a DH, maybe that didn't already have one. Uh, so maybe there, but I, I I don't think so, though.
0: And none of the other guys. I do. And again, it's the same thing. Really good uh, command
2: guy. You know, right in that line of starting pitchers who doesn't walk anybody. I could see that. Throw him in as a ball
1: inning guy and two as a lefty, you know. And him being a smaller guy, maybe. Yeah, I've seen seen him pitch quite a few
2: times because he was in the fall league last year. And he was he was solid there.
0: He's athletic, too. The only thing I really know about Kurt McCarty that's interesting is uh, he was a quarterback in high school, which the Indians like. Um, they like athletic pitchers. And uh, Bresch Barr was his offensive coordinator in high school. That's, you know, the extent of what I find most interesting about Kirk McCarty at this point. Uh, let's see. The most interesting thing I think to talk about is, and we could probably spend a lot of time on this, but maybe we should be careful how deep we go into this. Um, the twenty, the twenty twenty one rule five eligible players for the first time, not, not including, not including for me Tom and Oviedo and McCarty. If we do that all over again next year, Will Benson, um, not including all the repeat offenders. Um, here are just a few of the names: Aaron Bracho, Brian Rocchio and George Valera, all part of the same uh, international free agent class. Owen Miller, Tyler Freeman, Joey Cantillo. Cody Morris, Adam Scott, Nick Sandlin, Robert Groom, and then in a different group I have here, probably not likely to get taken, but also uh, names you don't want to ignore. uh, Richie Palacios, Brian Lavastida, Jose Tina, John Kenzie Noel. Jose Tenor. Okay, I knew that was going to (laughs) happen. I'm sure everyone does that. Okay. Um, Those are all guys that are going to be Rule 5 eligible for the 2021 draft. They are not going to be able to fit all those guys in the roster. So as much as we, I said musical chairs is going to happen in 2020 or the 2021 season, I don't know what they're going to do next winter. And they better have some good decisions ready to be made in the 2021 season about who is going to be part of the future, who's going to be trade bait, and who they're willing to risk seeing leave for... Maybe nothing. That's a lot of names. Which I don't know which one he wants to. to You got to take into account the
2: fact that the minor league entire structure is being changed now going into next year. So you may see hundreds of minor league free agents, and that could be a really deep class to the point where people may not be as willing to take extra guys in the Rule Five draft. Maybe they'll be happy with what they have as far as minor league depth because you're already going to be getting rid of that bottom tier of players. Uh, I would have to think going into next year. Um, most of those guys, I, mean, I think Freeman, Miller, Cantillo, Morris, like those are, and Scott, those guys are uh, pretty much all the pitchers you named. <laughs> all those guys could probably be added within the next year uh, to the 40. And the other guys are young enough that I think they could be safely skip through.
0: Well, I think Miller and Sandlin are going to both be on the major league roster at some point in 2021. Uh, Maybe Freeman. But the thing that complicates that is like, okay, you already have a full 40-man roster right now, and you're potentially going to add Owen Miller and Nick Sandlin and maybe Tyler Freeman to what your group already. I know there's still off-seasons to go, but those are decisions you've got to make next year anyway. Um, and, And Willie, I know you mentioned when you saw this list initially that you already had nine guys you thought needed to be added, like.
1: Nine, 10 guys off the top of my head, but we're not even talking about the guys that we just now talked about. Jose Fermin again, Luis Oviedo, uh, Burgos is in the mix, Benson. So there's four more added to the mix. So we're already up to 18 because you've listed 14 guys already. So, I mean, that's, that's a, ton of talent they're going to have to do something with and obviously we're not going to get all of these guys on the roster some of them are going to fall off to the wayside some of them will probably end up going in trades um you know elsewhere I I think that is the path that the Indians should take and if they're as forward thinking as I think that they are they may package a few young guys with Lindor or in a separate trade to to backfill some of the positions that the roster will obviously need um, I think you can get some younger players um, or guys who are just getting ready to start their ARB years and, and, you know, kind of back, build, say a, a Lindor's position, or maybe they can actually get a, <laughs> an outfielder that can hit you know, besides hitting up with a P, you know, so. <laughs> but, but they have the depth to make moves with. And, and that's kind of my point whenever I was bringing this out to you is this is what I've been talking about for a while that you have all of this influx of talent coming in you're going to have a a better 40-man roster theoretically anyways um with that being said a lot of these guys aren't going to make it there you're going to have to pick and choose and they're really going to have to weed through some of these infielders because they're really starting to get stacked all of a sudden with all of these infielders so who who stays and who goes i have no idea at this point but there is a lot of depth here for the indians to deal with and I think that they are in a good position to bring in talent. I know a lot of people are concerned that they may be selling off or trading off some big, big league talent, but there's a lot of talent in the system to bring talent back as well.
0: Yeah, if they, if they can move some of this talent to the top of the ladder, like you cannot add, like, I like Adam Scott enough. I don't see how you can add him given the group. Like, I like Joey Cantillo better. And given how much fishing depth they had, I can't really make an argument to say like you have to add him and take somebody else off because like I and I would take him in a rule five draft. I absolutely would. So yeah, they have to find an ability to translate some of this part of this roster that is, is a really good core set of prospects that are gonna be valuable in a trade, and they have to find a way to to kind of move some of this talent upwards by by trading them because they should have enough value packaged together to, to find some sort of controllable, you know, maybe maybe they could find the answer in, in center field for a change. I don't know. Like, go so out there and to me,
1: <laughs> To me, the most valuable commodity in baseball right now is young, affordable pitching. And the, the tribe has that, you know, to, to boot. As we said, 14 starting pitchers on the 40-man roster. I don't know how many of these guys here are starting pitchers. I'm not going down the the list there, but majority of them are starting pitchers that are there. Um, And there were three college draft picks from this draft that should move relatively quickly. Again, guys that have above average to plus control, those guys should be ready in two years, I think. Any of the three. I think all three of them would be ready in the next two years. So I, yeah. I, you know, it, it's not just something that's going to cure itself overnight, so to speak. I think the tribe would would benefit by packaging a few of these young arms and um, attaching them to Lindor or do or doing something and bringing back a better return that way.
0: Yeah, they they've got some decisions to make between this winter and next winter. Like it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I think I think they're just eventually they're going to have to figure out who to keep from the stockpile and who they're not like it's a good it's a good problem to have but when you make these kind of decisions you have to make sure that you are confident and I know they will be you know the front office I won't I won't extend it to the coaching staff because I think we've seen some of these issues play out on the field but the front office more often than not uh, puts process over result uh, over results and I think the processes are generally good so whatever they decide to do I will trust their decisions but um you know, these are decisions. If you make the wrong one with some of these guys, you're going to get burned and it could affect the core in the next era here, in the next wave of, of who's part of that core. So I think these decisions are maybe not going to be looked at heavily by a lot of fans because they involve some prospects that, you know, aren't on the 40 man roster and aren't ready to contribute this year, but um, they're going to be impacting the future of the roster. And I think. If you make the wrong decision, you're definitely going to create some landmines for yourself can, if you go about the wrong the way. Lost
2: season, um, the lost season really kills you here because you yeah. you can keep saying about these guys, oh, they never played against above short season and they never played against played above uh, Lake County. Well, yeah, because they didn't play last year. So normally these would be guys that are in, you know, Lake County, high A, double A. And we missed that opportunity to see them there. And now you have to make decisions on players you've never seen play at the the mid to upper levels so it's a completely different situation than has ever really happened before
0: for sure and a lot of other teams could be going through the same thing i haven't i haven't really dug i think the the weirdest thing about it is i mean like
2: we just did the the rankings by position but all all these guys are shortstop second base or pitchers essentially you've got no you got no third baseman, really no first baseman, no outfielders at all in the whole thing that you're really talking about. So, I, it, trading seems to be the only way out of this because if you look all the way down the depth chart, even their international picks from like the last two years are all shortstops. All the good ones are shortstops, and you can move them to third or second, but you're not moving to the outfield. So, they got to find some way to turn pitching and shortstops into outfielders. And we've been talking about that. Since Manny Ramirez left? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, so since Grady Sizemore uh, killed himself. Uh,
0: Wow. Yeah, figuratively speaking, not relatively, or literally. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, we did say that you, if this this thing goes in the tank, we're blaming you, so... I might be it. No, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Like, George Valera, and I just tweeted the link earlier today, like, like I think uh, Petey Halpin and, and electric Planez offer some excitement, but no guarantees at center field, and, and Daniel Johnson and, and George Valera are, like, the only two guys in the outfield list that I feel... Yeah,
2: but it's like, but it's like why wasn't Johnson in the big future? leagues all year? Yeah. Year? yeah. Like...
0: Yeah. Oh, because yeah, they, kick so the that makes me again, not they keep they kick the can believe they down the road. Like,
2: <laughs> there, there's something there. and, the, and the other guys are so far away yeah. it, well, you can't even think about them. You, you need somebody this you always need somebody this year and they never or they get delayed to shields. Like
0: that's that's what they do. Yeah, speaking of that, he... Speaking of that situation, this is how I wanted to wrap up the show, we 'cause we're we're getting up to an hour here close to it. Um the only bit of news really coming up, I think, outside of if we hear any more Lindor rumors or this, it's the non-tender deadline is next week. Mike um, And I think other people have written this, so maybe it's true. Because um, everything on the internet is always true. Um, Tyler Naquin and, and one of Tyler Naquin's Delano's, will not be here next year. I don't know which one they're kind of non-tender. I would love this. I'm not rooting for him to lose their jobs. These guys have made mm-hmm. a couple million dollars, so it's not like it's a, a travesty, but... Um, I would love to see the Indians non-tender both of them. Like I don't think there's any place for them on the Indians roster in 2021. Will that happen? I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm going to assume they're going to make the wrong decision and yeah. they're going to tender a contract to one of them and keep them. Um, and the other thing that plays into this is Bradley Zimmer still has an option left, and he's he's arb eligible. Like or maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe Willie, you might know, but he,
1: he is he- arb eligible and he does have one
0: option left. So uh, let me you, double check. That. You're you have an arbitration eligible twenty seven year old outfielder who is a former first round pick who you didn't even run on the field for more than ten games last year. Um, so who the hell knows what's going to happen to him? And then you know, just correct oh. that.
1: Uh, no, <laughs> he he is not arb eligible. He didn't get enough time this year. Oh well. And, and maybe that was the, the the worst part is is he's twenty eight years old too. So.
0: Uh, and, and and Jake Bowers is out of options. Like, so Jake Bowers has to be on the yeah. roster here. So cut the, the fat somewhere. Like, figure it the heck out. Like, cut yourself down to, to five or six outfielders instead of, like, 11. And, like, Jake Bowers now has to be on the roster next year. Why the heck would you have Aaron Aquin, Josh Naylor? I know Josh Naylor might play first base, but, of course, Bobby Bradley exists, and they're going to need power. Uh
1: but he has options remaining, so he probably ends up in Columbus. I don't know. Whereas Bowers, whereas Bowers doesn't.
0: Do you see, do either of you see any reason for Naquin or DeShields to be back next season? I'm going to
2: cancel for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I I've wanted him to get rid of Naquin <laughs> for years. He, his Rookie of the Year campaign like, put him in the hearts of Cleveland fans, and a lot of the emotional Cleveland fans have loved him ever since. And I, I don't know that that matters that much. I pick. think you can, like, like the diehard, like emotional fans, they, they like events, I think more than I don't, <laughs> the numbers for, for sure.
0: So Tyler Naquin's been, been holding on. Because I, I his, think some of it is that and, and he route, was really so. good
2: that year. Not just that one moment, but but he was really good that season and kind of ingrained himself into people's minds. I, other players have done the opposite, where they started out poorly and then had, like Chisholm, I think started out poorly and ended up being pretty decent for a few years, and then everyone hated him because he started out poorly. You know, so he, people make up their minds pretty quick on some of these guys, and I was fine with when the first year, and I made up my mind the second year that I was done with him, so I I, I don't see any reason for either <laughs> of them. Uh, I, I will say, looking at the 40-man if you assume Bobby Bradley is starting in A, they do not have a first baseman on the roster. Uh, well, yeah, so, well, so you can complain that balanced, they have nine outfielders, and... but two of them are first basemen. So, and that's like if Nolan Jones is an outfielder, then they have 10 outfielders, and Ernie Clement can play outfield. That brings you up to 11. But some of those guys are going to the infield. You know, they're not all... <laughs> They can't all be out
0: there at the same. Well, they're gonna split time, man. Yeah. Willie, wh- who is it? Willie? Do you, what do you think about Nakonev and the Shields as far and any other any other non tender options for next week? And uh, for heck's sake, who who is playing the outfield next year? Like, if you had to guess right now, I know it's a hard question, but who the heck is playing in the outfield? next year?
1: Mercado and. Maybe Naylor. Who knows who's in right field? Maybe Daniel Johnson. I'll go with Daniel Johnson and right, Mercado in center, and yes, uh, Naylor at in left field right now. So uh, Jake Bauer plays first, first base. I, I I have no clue. He he may <laughs> end up being <laughs> he may end up being left fielder, first baseman. You know they're not going to want to get rid of him because he's out of options, and and they seem to invest a lot of time in him. But then again, they they left him sit in Lake County all year this year. So, you know, what do you make of that as well? And I think we know where Bobby Bradley stands with the organization as well. So they've got a couple of warm bodies there for first base. I, I think long term, the best fit at first base is either to choose Jones or Naylor. And that would be your future at first base figure out the outfield through these trades that I said that they they should make. I don't know if they will. Um, You don't have to go and acquire a shortstop. There's plenty in the system already. So maybe they can put an emphasis on acquiring a corner fielder, uh, a big bat for the future. Um, We will see. Personally, I would trim the fat, get rid of the shields, get rid of um, Tyler Naquin, Adam Simber, no need for him to be here. I would pick one of the two catchers and then sign another guy off of uh, well from free agency because there's gonna be a lot of non-tenders. And you you should be able to pick up a solid defensive backup catcher.
0: So officially who do you think it's non-tender next week? Or who so you would non-tender make window shields Did and Adam you? Simber. What what about Adam Plutko? I know That's he's a great not. question. I know. Yeah, I hadn't even. Not
1: terrible, he but. hadn't even occurred to me. Um, personally, you know, I, I could see him as a DF uh, designated for assignment candidate um, right away. Maybe they get a can of worms or something for him. I don't know, but um, <laughs> 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 yeah, that's that's hard. I didn't even think about getting rid of Plutko that way. Uh, I will say, yeah, I mean, why didn't if they you're going gonna... to sooner. Um, <laughs> why
2: wouldn't you protect? But them? I'm, a, I'm a. If you were going no to, I'm Why wouldn't you do it that. last week and so you could protect somebody else from Rule Five? So I don't really get that. Yeah, exactly. I would see that as an argument of signing all, you know, retaining all of them, and then figuring it out next March. That's not what I would do. I just think that's my very good chance of what they do. Yeah,
0: that, well. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Like that's that's the problem, is that I, I expected like at least one or two DFAs on the day of of adding guys to the rule forty. Like I was like, okay, well, someone's gonna like Bo Taylor. I thought Bo Taylor would get DFA'd, and I thought, you know, maybe Adam Ploodgow or something. But you're right, they didn't do any of that. So it sounds like they're just gonna they always do <laughs> hang on to all this crap and go into free trade
1: and I think lego can be a fifth starter or a swingman for a lot of teams. I know he's going to give up 300 home runs a year, but a lot of teams will say, hey, he's going to log some innings. He'll put up an occasional quality start. So, you know, that'll keep him in a fifth starter role for a lot of the Baltimore Oriole-type teams.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe there's a chance. And Joe just said would if they could have. They already would have done it, and I thought that's what they were going to do you know waiting till six o'clock to announce who was being added to the 40 man but like maybe they try adam plutko or or somebody or tyler naquin for uh you know like they did with Mark thias last year they added andres melendez like you you trade sure. him down the road depth and someone you don't have to make a 40 decision on this year but they didn't do that so i don't know if they think they still can and that's why they're hanging on to because they think they can but i don't know there's if they're obviously they're going to they're going to trim payroll like we know if if they i not I don't want to say if they don't get the right offer, they'll, they'll still trade Lindor anyway. Like I don't think they'll settle for an offer they hate, but like they're definitely gonna cut payroll again. So you know Lindor's contra or salary is, is a place they want to cut. And if you need really need to trim, like I know Flutco is what pre-arb, so it's not like you're really saving a ton of money by by letting it go, but you don't have to pay Adam Simber a Super 2 uh, tender. You don't have to pay of de Shields and Tyler Naquin five million. You don't have to pay Austin Hedges and, and Roberto Perez a combined nine million. Like there are other ways to trim the roster without hurting your team. Just but they you're right. They are if they go if they if their mandate is to trim the payroll more and they walk into spring training with the line of the shields. And Tyler Naquin. But if they if Adam they Stimber, don't, they'll just bring in other guys as a fan because <laughs>
2: give them the same amount of money. They're just gonna bring another retreads from you know quadruple A. Uh,
0: I was I was really looking forward to recording this podcast with you guys and the way things defended, ended, I'm just poor mad. Like I'm 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 it's I week feel of like Thanksgiving and I'm you were I'm earlier on in the show you were embracing the, the nihilism
2: and I feel like if you just go all the way into it. You'll be much better off. It doesn't matter. None of it I, matters. I
0: have gone into the dark place. I am I am in the dark.
2: Nothing matters. That was it.
0: Uh, any, any final thoughts? That was my I mean, final thought. Any, any final thoughts here? That was it. Embrace denialism. <laughs> Eat at Arby's. <laughs> Willie, any final thoughts here?
1: No, uh, everyone <laughs>
0: enjoyed their Thanksgiving. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, just it's, be positive. It's been a blur, just blur of a year. Yeah, yeah. what did you call it early on when we were in podcasts, Willie? Really? It was uh, uh, whoever was writing 2020. It was, I have to go back. And look. I titled the podcast. I care not what the name of it was. Oh, I don't even remember now at this point. And, it, it's all a blur. Uh, Tim, Tim Burton's baseball season. You're like, the baseball yes. season is as if like, Tim Burton was writing it.
1: This whole entire year, it's like Tim Burton wrote it. I am
0: thinking think that's more like Stephen King, really. <laughs> there's there's um, snake, or snake eating or snake worms coming up in Georgia. I don't know. All, if the murder hornets are being phased out. I don't know. Um, next couple podcasts we might do are going to be uh, shorter ones in theory. We always say they're going to be shorter, and they end up not being shorter. So I apologize if you're listening to the podcast and you prefer uh, they're shorter. But if you're listening this long, then obviously you don't care. Um, the next podcast will be on the, the positional, uh, groups we've been re- releasing, uh, tomorrow is going to be, uh, right-handed starting pitchers, but the podcast will be grouped into catcher, first base, third base, because some of those guys are not going to play first base or third base long-term. They might move positions as we've talked about, the need to move positions, uh, we'll do a podcast on the second-base shortstop, which will probably be a long because as Joe just said, everyone in the organization plays second-base shortstop now. Other positions are irrelevant. Um, and that will be canceled out by the outfield podcast, which will take five minutes, because it's the outfield. <laughs> and then we'll talk about pitchers, which again, we'll go back into, the, into an hour-long podcast, because every organization who doesn't play shortstop for second-base is a pitcher. Uh, so look out for those after Thanksgiving. Um, please continue, if you haven't already, check out the uh, depth charts and payroll pages uh, that are on the top of the site now. Um, Willie put a lot a lot of time into the payroll chart. It looks great. And uh, I didn't notice this until yesterday, but Willie, you already updated it to uh, include the 40-man ads, so I appreciate that. And uh, I keep updating the depth chart pages, and I know Joe's been helping me uh, try to still organize with that, too, so we'll keep updating that as things changed throughout the offseason if they change and uh, i will try to make the formatting look better i'm trying to do that uh are you guys working on anything anything you want to promote before we get out of here
1: i no? am working on a uh, draft board um something that i did late last year i'm gonna start early and post maybe 50 and then do a few updates on it and then i'll also have some uh Pieces out on that. And I'm trying to wrap my head around uh, what a potential Francisco Lindor trade could potentially look like. And uh, I may put some of those thoughts into words and uh, type that out and submit that sometime soon. I'm, I'm really trying to figure out how all of that could look. And, you know, as I said, there's a lot of scenarios that could play out right now. Who knows? Um, as I said, it's Tim Burton's
2: baseball season. So.
0: In the office. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close to getting a platinum trophy with Spider-Man
2: Miles Morales.
0: <laughs> that sounds like a great use it's of fun. your November and December. <laughs> there really is not really much else going on. So, yeah, uh, hey, I, I took I took my I, I dog. I can't say. On I blame a walk you. by the complex uh, the other day. There was nothing
2: happening, <laughs> so that's my update.
0: Yeah, you did you continually take, take your dog on a lot of walks when the Indians were playing. He's, drugs. he's got That's a lot of energy. Very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Does he <laughs> even have, have a head dog? dog. Have That's what I really want to know. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I've seen turtles. I don't know if I've seen no, a dog.
2: Not often.
0: Do you walk your turtle? That would be a, a good case to hang around the complex because the turtle would not go away very fast, so you'd have a lot of... Yeah, they don't
2: have any grass. Though. A lot of
0: reason to be just kind of lingering. around. rocks. I, 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 yeah, I have a really tortoise. Unless you have a tortoise or something.
2: I <laughs> but he eats grass. Sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't
0: know as much fun. Oh, there you go. It's a tortoise. So, so hanging around rocks doesn't do much for them. Okay. Uh, I think we've, we've rambled about enough random crap. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving... Uh, thanks guys for doing this with me be safe and uh we will talk to you again probably with a shorter podcast on a positional series and then some other stuff as it happens thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you later